Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Psalm 95 verse 10. We're going to be reading from the NLT because that's my personal devotion is the NLT, even though I have the beloved New King James up here but we'll read from the NLT. And it says this, it says, For 40 years I was angry with them. And I said, they are a people whose hearts turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them, says God. So in my anger I took an oath, they will never enter my place of rest. Like This is obviously a psalm that was written quoting... Moses's dilemma of leading three point something million people out of Egypt through a wilderness into a promised land. It was an 11 day journey, 11 days. But 40 years later, <laughs> they still haven't entered the promised land. How could something that is as short as an 11 day trek, 40 years, Maybe they got lost. Maybe they didn't have a compass. It was probably the terrain. It had nothing to do with a compass, directions, or terrain. Had nothing to do with that. The title of my message tonight is Rise of the Hero Generation. The Rise of the Hero Generation. I want to speak into to, to you a word I want to impart into you because I'm telling you 2022 we're seeing the rise of the hero generation in the book the fourth turning they talk about four cycles in that happen about every 80 to 100 years these things happen in 20 to 25 year increments and we are right at one of those first you we see an unraveling then we see a crisis and then from the crisis we see an awakening and then from the awakening we see a high and we are right now going from the crises into the awakening and we're about to enter into a high but the the crises and the awakening there's four four genera uh, in those four cycles there are four kinds of people the first one is the nomad who's just kind of living on off the high and kind of begins to explore and look around and then from that the artist begins to rise and the artist music and sound and song and the 80s music was the artist generation incredible but then from the artist it moves into the prophet the prophet is the prophets come at the end of the crises and they actually are the uh, are the catalyst for the awakening but after the prophet comes the hero generation. So can I just tell you, the prophets have been prophesying. The crisis has been raging. We're in the beginning of an awakening. But I'm telling you, God is raising a hero generation. In fact, the person on your left and the person on your right is part of the hero generation. Now, we can get all mad. We can get all indignant that the, in the 60s, the baby boomers dropped the ball. And my generation, the generation X's, they all turned woke. But but I'm telling you, while the boomers dropped the ball and the Gen Xers went woke, I'm telling you there's a new generation rising that is going to save America, that is going to save San Diego, that is going to save California. It's called the Hero Generation. Turn to two or three people say, he's talking about you, he's talking about you, he's talking about you. 
So, so let me give you three quick thoughts in just a few minutes we have t- tonight together. Number one, a hero generation deals with their enemy. My biggest enemy is actually my inner me. The psalm we just read, it says, God said, for 40 years, for 40 years, I was angry with them because their hearts turned from me and they would not do anything that I asked them. So I swore an oath that they're not going to enter my promised land. They're not going to enter my rest for 40 years. So this was, this was the people that God had saved from Egypt. God saved them. They were saved. Not only were they saved from Egypt, but they were delivered from Pharaoh. They were delivered from the devil's oppressive regime. They were delivered from tyranny. They were delivered from injustice, slavery, prejudice. They were saved. They were delivered from everything external that was oppressing them. And yet they perished in the wilderness because even though God's power delivered them from the devil and God's power delivered them from what was external, they refused to let God deal with what was internal. Can I just tell you, you are making yourself disqualified from being part of the hero generation if you're just resting on the laurels of the fact that you're saved and you're not being discipled because discipleship is dealing with the inner me. Discipleship is dealing with the inner things that disqualify you, that keep you from all of God's promises, that keep you from all that God has. It was an 11-day journey, but it took 40 years. 40 years later, they still had not... Can I tell you, I got saved, but I still had a poverty mindset. I got saved and I had a second best mentality. I got saved and I had all kinds of bitterness and rejection and hatred towards my father, unforgiveness, envy, unbelief, fear, rebellion. I had all of these issues going on. And, and, and what I found was even though I was saved, even though the devil was defeated on the cross, it, just because the, God had defeated the devil and God had saved me and I was going to heaven didn't mean that I was experiencing God's promises in the here and now. The condition of your heart, the, in fact, the, the, your submission to the process of discipleship. That's why years ago we took the courageous stand. Everyone was talking about we've got to get people saved, we've got to get people saved, we've got to get people saved, and they're patting themselves on the back. Oh, we've got all these people saved look how awesome we are and then the Holy Spirit said to me you didn't get people saved I said yes we did God we had 46 salvations he's like no no no. you can't save anybody I do the saving I'm like well technically that's true however on paper and he's like yeah you can't born again anybody I do the I do the borning again I'm like well yep fair enough okay he goes but I did ask you to disciple I sent you into all the world to make disciples. Discipleship is the unraveling. Discipleship is is the honest conversations. It's the dealing with. Dennis Prager was was telling me the story about uh, someone very dear to him who was a heroin addict for 13 years. And then all of a sudden, it was almost like it was overnight, he got free from a heroin addiction. And Dennis Prager was like, huh. 
He said, you know, you struggled all these years and now you, you're sober and you're clean and you're free and you've been free for a number of years. He said, what was it? What, what, what was the turning point? And the young man said this. He says, I got free the day I stopped blaming my parents. The day I stopped harboring bitterness in my heart. The condition of your heart determines the harvest of your life. Jesus says a sower goes out to sow seed. It's Matthew 13. It's the parable of the sower. And the disciples afterwards are like, Jesus, you know, wonderful, wonderful. Just want to get you back on track. We're not sure if it's the sun, been out here too long, whether you're not hydrating. Look, wonderful, wonderful lesson on horticulture and agriculture. Well done. But remember, you're, you're meant to be preaching about spiritual things. And Jesus is like, oh, myself. He's like, if you can't understand this parable, how will you understand any of the parables? All the parables flow out of this one. He says, the son of man is the sower. The seed is the word of God. Now you would say, well, hang on, that, that, both of them are you. Jesus kind of plays all the parts. So he's the, he's the sower that goes into the world, but he's also the seed, which is the word of God. And he says, and some seed falls by the wayside, falls on the path, and the birds of the air, the devil comes and snatch up. These are those who receive the word, and they don't understand it, and Satan comes immediately and snatches what was sown because he knows how powerful the word is. He doesn't want the word to remain. He wants to snatch it straight away. He says, but the second group, these are those who receive the word, but they never let the roots go down. They, they don't do a Michelle Cole. They don't, get, they don't plant themselves. They don't, they don't get planted in the house, so they never flourish. And when the sun comes up, because they have shallow root, they never put their roots down, they wilt and die. He says, the third group, these are those who are planted amongst weeds, and amongst stony soil and, and the weeds kind of choke the life. And these are the ones who, who, who never really get discipled. They care about all the stuff of the world and, and all their, their desires and all their inside worldly inhibitions and it takes them out. He says, but the fourth group, these are the ones with good soil who receive the word and they produce 30, 60, 100. He's talking about the condition of our hearts. In this house... Your pastor, whose name means farmer. That's what my name means. A farmer doesn't just make sure that he has the highest quality seed. A stupid farmer takes the highest quality seed, and there's no higher quality seed than the Word of God. But at the same time, a smart farmer rec recognizes, hey, you better till the soil. You better remove the, the, the clay and what's hard and all the stones and all the weeds that would try and choke because God wants to bring a harvest out of your life. The greatest harvest in your life is determined by the level of discipleship. Can God begin to work in your heart? For 40 years, these people wandered in the wilderness and they grumbled and they complained and they whined and they were in unbelief and they were in rebellion and they were in idolatry. And God was like, man, 
I delivered you from Pharaoh. For 40 years, your shoes didn't wear out. Your clothes didn't wear out. For 40 years, I, I rained down manna from heaven. And you could take Shabbat. You could take Saturday off because I gave you a double portion on the Friday. And then when you complained about meat, I changed the wind direction. I brought in so much quail that you were vomiting up the quail because it was too much quail. You didn't lack for one day. I had, I had a pillar of cloud by day in a desert and... and Sorry, yeah, cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night when the temperature dropped. You didn't let, I did miracle after miracle, drove out enemy after enemy, and all you did was what? Because it was nothing about the external, it was all about their internal. They kept complaining about the external when God was trying to deal with their internal. Just maybe the agitations and the frustrations and all the issues that you're going with is God's trying to get your attention. There's some junk in the trunk, there's some issues in your heart that God is wanting to deal with because it's keeping you out of what God has for you. Can somebody say amen? amen. I had, I had, I, I had uh, such severe rejection from, from my father. I was the firstborn. And so being the firstborn, it was just like all of his angst, all of his anger, all of the pain that he had from his father, all of the abuse I, I became the object because I was the firstborn. So no matter what I said that I wanted to do, it, it was never good enough. If I said I was going to be a carpenter, carpenter, I'm going to be a carpenter for, ah, I've got this Norfolk. And no matter, bricklayer, carpenter, tiler, roof tiler, landscaper, didn't matter what I said I wanted to do, it was belittled. And then he went out of his way to tell me, to remind me of how weak I am in this area, how stupid I am in this area, how I fall short in that area. So just life will, will, life will deal to you failing moments. You, you, you'll fail at things. The first time you tried to walk, you failed. The first time you tried to ride a bike, you failed. The first time you tried anything, you failed. We fail our way forward. But when, you, when, when failure brings immediate disdain and rejection, you kind of stop trying at things. And so I found that in my life, I began to, just to guard my own heart, I began to lower my expectations. And so I would no longer believe for the best because believing for the best and not getting it or failing at it brought more pain, more disappointment, which only reminded me of my father's words, which I hated to hear, that I was indeed a disappointment. So I lowered. But now I'm saved. I'm saved from the devil. I'm saved from hell. I'm going to heaven. But I still have this protective issue in my heart. And then a prophet from the United States of America is in New Zealand. And he pulls me out and says, Jürgen, God loves you. He's called you. He, but he can't do in your life what he wants because you have developed a second best mentality. And God cannot bless a second best mentality. Psalm 8 verse 1 says, O Lord, how, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. And he, 
it was like his words were, were like a knife piercing me in the heart. I remember going home and having to not just repent, but allow God to heal what was broken in my heart. I know that I wouldn't be where I am, have what I have today. I wouldn't fight the battles that I fight believing for the best if I'd still have that second best mentality. We'd still be meeting in a school. We'd still be setting up and tearing down. We'd have to be laying people off as quickly as we hire them because I'd have a second best mentality. It was the condition of my heart, not the purposes of God. It was the state of my heart determined the harvest of my life. That's why we are a discipleship church. That's why hero generations deal with their enemy if you're not in a connect group get in a connect group if you're not being you know we have a saying that if you're unteachable you're unreachable number two a hero generation the, the hero generation rise and overwhelm one of my favorite scriptures Matthew 11 verse 12 there's a lot of Christians that, that, that don't believe that Matthew 11:12 is in the Bible or they just live like it's not in the Bible. But Matthew 11, verse 12, Jesus speaking, he says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Now, I know all the, 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 the climate change people don't like this verse. <laughs> From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. In the, in the uh, NIV, the nearly inspired version, in the NIV it says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. Doesn't matter which translation you read, the, 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 the scripture basically says that for the kingdom to advance, there's got to be a pressing. There's got to be a pushing. There's, there's got to be a battle. There's got to be some warring. There's got to be from warfare. Can I just tell you, the devil isn't keen to give up any ground. The devil doesn't want you to advance. He may not have been able to stop you from getting born again, but he can stop you from being a pathfinder. He can stop you from being a territory taker. He can stop you from being an influencer. He can stop you from increasing. The devil will do whatever he can. His goal in your life is containment. He may not have been able to get you, to stop you from being born again, but he can certainly put a muzzle on your voice, minimize your voice, minimize your impact. But I'm here to tell you that a hero generation is right and overwhelming hell. We are overwhelming the system. I'm telling you, God didn't put Awakened Church in San Diego to coexist with the devil. Oh, I'm sorry, devil. Did we tread on your toes? My bad. Here, let me just move my boundary. No, no, we are moving the boundary. We are moving. We are taking our, our church into the gates of hell and we are kicking in the gates. Oh, should you be doing that? Yes, because Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. In other words, I'm building my church and when you get to a gate and hell's behind it, kick the gate in because the gates of hell will not prevail. We have so many Christians that are afraid of the devil attacking them. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. I don't know the last time you got attacked with a gate. I don't know the last time, hey, what happened to you? Oh, I got hit by a gate. Yeah, some crazy guy chased me down the street with his gate. <laughs> Gates aren't for attacking. The devil's on defense. 
Jesus is crushing the devil's head, rising him with the keys of death and hell. Says, I'm going to build my church in the gates of hell. He's waiting for a hero generation church. He's not waiting for a passive church and a sit-around church and a kumbaya lullaby church. He's waiting for a church that rises up in a hero generation that believes that what he says, that believes the Word of God, that believes that what God promised, He fulfills it, believes that we ought to dominate, that we ought to take the territory, that His kingdom can come, His will can be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's waiting for a hero generation to kick down the gates of hell. Can somebody say Amen. Where are you going? I'm off to pick a fight. <laughs> William Wallace. <laughs> Who's that? That's William Wallace. No, he's not tall enough. Aye, I've heard of William Wallace. He's nine feet tall. Shoots lightning bolts out of his eyes and something I can't mention in church. <laughs> if you wonder what I'm doing, I'm pretending I'm on a horse. Sons of Scotland, I see a whole army of my fellow countrymen gathered in defiance of tyranny. You've come to fight as free men, and free men you are. But what will you do with your freedom? Will you fight? No, we'll run and we'll live. Aye, the English are too many. <laughs> fight and you may die, aye. Run and you'll live for a little while anyway. But many years from now, when you're lying, dying in your beds, how many of you would give every, everything you got for this, for one chance, for this day you trade, this day for that, for one chance, to tell Longshanks, to tell our enemies, you can take our land, you can take our lives, but you'll never take our freedom. <laughs> William Wallace. And he's giving the speech to these, to these. They're, they're, they're not an army. The English have got a regiment, an army with, with armored horses, with spears, with, with a whole division of archers. These are just men, peasants, farmers who have come up and they're standing there with a mattock and a, and a plowshare and a crude sword and they're just... They're just trying to defend their land. History continually repeats. It's on a repeat cycle. The World Economic Forum has combined. The Democrat Party has sold out America. They are Judas Iscariot. To line their pocket with 30 pieces of silver, they're happy for your freedom to be taken away because they have been promised a seat at the table. We're going to rise and overwhelm the polls. They've been stealing power for decades. Rise and overwhelm the polls. Become a poll watcher. Become a poll worker. Don't let them get away with the steal. But the World Economic Forum doesn't like America. They know if they can take America down, they can take the world. If, if America is saved, the world is saved. I'm telling you, I believe that God has called us here for such a time as this. We are the Esther of our generation for such a time as this. Because if we save America, we save the world. If we save it, and I'm, I want you to know that I'm watching 
a hero generation. God gave me a prophetic word that America is like Samson. How many of you know Samson wasn't perfect, but Samson was anointed. Samson wasn't perfect, but Samson was chosen by God. Wasn't perfect, but had God's mantle to be a judge and a deliverer from oppression. And the Philistines, the World Economic Forum, hired Delilah, the Democrat Party. Just need to let that settle because people say, well, you shouldn't really. So let me just say it, hired the Democrat Party, Delilah. to find out where the source of Samson's strength was so they could bind him like any man. So they could bind him like any man. When you're bound like any man, you're no longer free. Strength and power is freedom. And so they find out it's in his covenant. From the womb, from his inception, he was a Nazarite. They have discovered that the strength of America is in her constitution. At her birth, at her birth, at her inception, she had a covenant. She had a constitution. And they know if they can dismantle the constitution, then they can take down America. And they want to take not only her strength, which is in her constitution, but as soon as they took Samson's strength, the first thing they did was took away Samson's vision, they bought out both of his eyes and they removed his mission. Instead of him being a deliverer, he's now grinding corn. Oh, don't think that the, the, the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, but when it's you your own nothing, you'll be very happy. <laughs> don't, don't, don't think that they don't covet America's wealth. Don't, 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 don't think for one minute they don't look at the extraordinary wealth that's here in America. They just don't want you to have it. They want it. They don't want you to have it. They want it. So they'll put you out there grinding. They don't mind America grinding their corn for them, working for them. But then the Bible says that the hair on Samson's head began to grow back. And God said to me, they may have stolen the 2020 election. He says, but the hair on Samson's head is growing back. And he said, the hair on Samson's head is patriotism. What the World Economic Forum, what the CCP, what, what the corruptocrats did not bank on is that patriotism would rise like it's, why do you think they're vilifying? Why do you think they call you a Christian nationalist? Why do you think they're, because they are terrified of the hair on Samson's head is growing back. Can I tell you it's too late. The hair on Samson's head is growing back. November 8 is going to be a day of reckoning. We are overwhelming the polls everywhere. We are overwhelming the fraud. We are overwhelming the cheat because the hero generation is rising and overwhelming. Come on, if you believe that, give God a praise. <laughs> Did you know they say that less than 40% of Christians vote? If Christians would vote in every election, we wouldn't have to deal with this mess. Make sure you get out and vote. The last one, number three, is the hero generation understands the power of partnership. Understands the power of partnership. We partner with Turning Point USA. We partner with First Liberty. 
First Liberty was Kelly Shackelford, who's going to be speaking this week. He was the one that argued and won Roe v. Wade. He was the one that argued Coach Kennedy. We, we, we partner with, with, with people. Partnership, who, who are you partnering with? When Jesus sent the disciples out, it was interesting. He looked and says, my God, he says, the fields are white under harvest. Pray that the Lord sends out workers into the harvest. And the next verse says, and he sent them out two by two. You'd be like, hang on, <laughs> Jesus, stop. You've only got 12. That means six regions they can hit. Why don't you send them out one by one? Then we can double, we can hit 12 regions. But Jesus, a little smarter than you and I, he understands something. He understands that, that you need a brother. You need a buddy. You need partnership. You and I need somebody in our life. I had a pastor, I, I, I'll have to preach this message another time. I, I had a pastor many, many years ago say this. We were talking about the need that we need that we have for one another and the need for encouragement. And this guy was an incredible preacher, incredible leader. And he said this, he made this statement. He says, I don't need any encouragement. I don't need any encouragement. He goes, when I read the Bible, Jesus didn't need any encouragement. And when he said it, I couldn't kind of, get a script but just as he said out the ah, it just it doesn't land it just doesn't sit so the Holy Spirit said go to Matthew 21 9 in Matthew 21 9 if we can throw it up on the screen I promise I'm finishing petition oh there it is por favor then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus is on a donkey and he's riding into Jerusalem. The Bible says, and the people came out and they were throwing their coats on the ground and waving palm branches, calling out Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And I thought, and I said, what's going on? And God says, look up the meaning of the word Hoshana. Hoshana means save. Literally means save. So here's Jesus. The Bible says he set his face like, face like flint towards Jerusalem. He's the Son of God. He's raised the dead, walked on water, cast out demons. And now he's riding into Jerusalem. He will ride into Jerusalem but he will never ride out. He will ride into Jerusalem where he will be betrayed, where he'll be mocked, where he'll be beaten by the Roman soldiers. A crown of thorns will be thrust into his head. He'll be whipped till there's no more meat left on his back. And then he'll be crucified on a cross for the sins of mankind. We know that this very night he's gonna be praying in the garden of Gethsemane and that he'll be sweating drops of blood and three times he'll ask his disciples to pray with me and three times they'll fall asleep. He knows, he knows what's in front of him and he's on a donkey riding into Jerusalem to save mankind. And a pastor once so arrogantly said, I don't need encouragement. He ended up losing his church, losing his marriage, losing, I think he might've needed some encouragement. He might've, might have not been as self-made as what he thought. But God showed me Jesus is on a donkey riding in Jerusalem and the people are coming out yelling out Hoshana. Literally the people are coming out going, save, save. 
We read it as Hosanna. Jesus here is save, 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 save. Because unless you save, we're lost. Unless you crucified, we're gone. Unless you atone for our sin, we will perish in our sin. Save. I believe that Jesus, I believe that Jesus, those words when he was taking the, the flogging, save, save. When they nailed him to the cross, save, save. You, if the Son of God, God ordained for him to ride in with people yelling out, save. So reminding, who is reminding you of your mission? Who's reminding you of your assignment? Who's reminding you of your kingdom purpose? Who's reminding you of the call of God? Who's reminding you that you were born for such a time? Who's reminding you that you just may be the hero to your generation? You are the hero generation. It is time to rise. It is time to overwhelm. It is time to deal with the enemy. And can I just tell you, you need partnership. You need other people. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Let's stand to our feet. Come on, if you believe God, if you believe God, give God a great praise right now. Come on. Hallelujah. Lift your hands to heaven. Such a strong anointing here. Two things need to happen. If you're not right with Jesus, you need to give your life to Jesus tonight. If you're away from God, you need to come back. If you're far from Him, don't walk out the same way you came in. Get your life right. We're going to open up the altar. We're going to have our beautiful pastors and ministry team. They're going to be down here. They want to pray with you. Hey, I'm away from God. Get it right. Hey, this sin might get it right. Hey, I've got bitterness in my heart. Hey, my heart is jacked up. Get it right. But you know, the most important thing, discipleship, partnership, dealing with that enemy, rising up. The Bible says one sets flight to a thousand, two, ten thousand. Two are better than one. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these beautiful people. And I thank you for the hand of God on these people. Thank you for the call of God. I thank you that they are the hero generation. And do you know the hero generation doesn't complain the fact that the battle may be stacked. The battle may be unfair. Yes, the previous generation should have done something. Yes, the generation before that kicked the can down the road. But I'm telling you, they don't write about those generations, but they will be writing about this generation. They will be writing about your generation. They will be telling about your generation that against all odds you rose, against all odds you stood, against all gods you pushed back, against all gods you fought, against all odds. America was saved because of this generation. Say these words out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you today that you've anointed and appointed me to be alive in this hour, I declare I am called by God. I declare I am part of the hero generation. Now with a bit of authority say, devil, in the name of Jesus, I want you to know the same Jesus that cast you out everywhere he found you lives in me. And I'm gonna do the same works he did. I'm gonna drive you out out of our schools, out of our young people, out of our colleges, everywhere I find you, I'm kicking you out. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen, amen, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already, and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. 
We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.